Huh? Humans are interesting. Let's do it. Go ahead. You did. You did. Amen. Amen. I killed him. Amen. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, right now, you are listening to the Humans Are Interesting podcast. My name is Namus. Scientific. My brother, right there. We go way back. And today's episode is called "When Heroes Become Human." Yes. Yes. So, science and I were were hanging out recently, and we were talking about some quite disturbing news or not news but disturbing news to you i guess it was news to you he was telling me some stuff about martin luther not to be confused with dr king but the person he's named Puritan after reformer his namesake yeah Puritan reformer some stuff about martin luther that i never had never heard before and so for me martin luther has definitely been a very respected figure in my life in terms of uh the faith aspect at least and i have only heard good things about him and kind of revolutionary, like go against the system kind of um, spirituality, which is what I'm all about. You know what I mean? My church hates me. You know what I'm saying? Okay. <laughs> they don't hate me, but they uh, <laughs> it might be a little strong, kind but, of a strong word. Hate, but okay, my church doesn't hate me, but let's you're just, that guy. I'm definitely that guy. You're that guy. Let's, let's just, say that. Let's just say that. Right, I'm, right. Yeah, I'm that guy. You that so, guy. <laughs> I'm that dude. Anyway, so that got us, uh, got me thinking and got us talking just about historical figures that we look at and people that we look up to and then current, you know, kind of leaders in our lives. And so how do we deal with finding out this this bad news that at this point almost seems inevitable about anyone you look up to? Yeah. Uh, so we're discussing uh, who are some of these individuals. So one that was kind of a top of my head um, was Martin Luther King. Junior, obviously the Junior. icon in America. Junior, the, Junior, tell me what you see, Father. <laughs> Junior, um, the civil rights icon um, in America. Somebody's important to me. King was known to have not been faithful in his marriage. Uh, do you see the? Just hold on. Before we go in for it, just to clarify, at this point, according to mine, it's still alleged, right? No, nothing. Yeah, so it's it's alleged. So let's just clarify our list. Yeah, I want to I say it's alleged. Okay, it's alleged. <laughs> all right. So what happened was, there's a little backstory to this. Um, during in the civil rights movement, uh, J. Edgar Hoover, who hated Martin Luther King, um, him and the FBI kind of put a lot of misinformation out there. There's a lot of things out there that are kind of not true that are flowing around. But one thing that it's it's something that was talked about uh, after his assassination in inner circles. Regardless, still, I consider somebody a great man, but there's that conflict. If, yeah. if this is true, uh, does that change the way I look at this uh, American icon? Uh, right. I mean, I, I think for me, and you probably would agree with me, Science, but Dr. King is probably the person in history I admire most outside of Jesus himself, right? right? You know what I mean? He's is the the face of the most important movement in this country's history. Agreed. And he just spoke prophetically and with authority. Amen. <laughs> he did. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. No, for real. Um, so no, so I, I so I totally feel you, and I've, and I've thought about that regarding him before. The first the first right. few times people brought this up to me years ago, I kind of was just like not hearing it. Like, dude, don't even don't stop trying to throw salt in his name. That's what everyone does. Once someone dies, they try to right. dig up some dirt. And really, what that was was I just didn't want to hear anything bad about him because it felt like they were poo pooing on his legacy in some way. But I was yeah, I was intentionally wanting to put blinders on, and so. With the rose-colored glasses off, 
should this affect my view of him? The next individual that came to mind was Gandhi. Um, mm. Definitely a uh, somebody who's an inspiration to me. Uh, as you know, if you know, if you were paying attention in history class, he uh, fought the British peacefully and freed his country. India was a major figurehead to bring India towards independence uh, from Britain. Gandhi was a lawyer, and in South Africa, uh, he lived in South Africa from the late 1800s to the early part of the 20th century. Now, Gandhi in South Africa, if you know anything about Gandhi, if you studied him, he wrote a lot while he was in South Africa, a lot about the treatment of Indians there, um, what he thought about South Africa, what he thought about uh, what was going on, apartheid. And I don't even know if there was like legal law, but you know, there was still apartheid in the, yeah. basically not, you weren't free depending on your color. De facto. Right, right. De facto. Definitely. So, um, right kind of before World War One, before he went back to India, he wrote a lot about what he thought about Indians in South Africa. And one thing that he was always afraid of was that they would be compared to Africans. Now, do you read his writings while he's a lawyer in South Africa? This is a lot of, I guess, quite a bit of negative things about Africans. Basically, he says that they're unable to govern themselves. That they're um, not able to govern. They're not, yeah, they're not able to govern themselves, that um, Indians were better than them, that uh, they shouldn't be compared to. The word they would use is kefir. If you are familiar with South Africa, that's kind of the South African equivalent of what we consider the N-word. Yeah. So, question, is yes. it, do you think it's the equivalent of the N-word, or do you think it's the equivalent of, like, Negro, or, you know what I mean, or no, so or color? I've, I've been to Africa a couple, t- couple yeah. times myself. I haven't been to South Africa, but I, I've met a number of people from South Africa. Um, well, they tell me that it is a derogatory term. Gotcha. So he goes on and he says a lot of things about Africans that's just really kind of low and puts him down. And he does it because he wants to show the difference to the white South Africans. He feels that uh, there's a difference between Indians and Africans and that they shouldn't be treated like Africans because he doesn't want to get thrown in that same boat. Right. He doesn't want to get thrown into that same into that same boat. Now, the problem I have, the trouble is he was a product of his time. That's just how a lot of people at that time thought. Um, A lot of the Indians in South Africa who uh, they were fighting for a higher place up the social ladder. He was really worried that they would be more disenfranchised. So how he looks at Africans, when somebody's a product of their time, how much kind of leeway do you give them? And when is it? Yes, but... Yeah, I think this is where we disagree. I I think you give them... Natu- I could be wrong, but I think you naturally would give people more grace and leeway with this idea of, of being a product of their time than I would. I agree. I'm like, forget that. The irony of an oppressed group looking for equality right. speaking of another oppressed group in this in that manner you know right, what I'm saying right. like, and wrong is wrong like right and, and you, I'm not saying right. you're not saying that right I'm just saying like some of these things to me like I don't understand how they just don't compute therefore I give less grace to them <laughs> I mean right. yeah so here is uh, another historical figure and it's actually really interesting too um, I recently found out that he was actually asked by W.E.B. Du Bois, who mm-hmm. you know is yeah. the leader in uh, the civil rights movement in America. W.E.B. Uh, du Bois asked Gandhi to write about what was going on in America. Now, this was later in Gandhi's years, and his view 
um, was totally different from how he looked at Africans when he was younger. Mm. So it could be maturity. Okay. He felt he said, yeah. um, "It is no shame being the slave. The shame is with the slaveholders." And he wrote an article in a black magazine called Crisis that was popular early civil rights movement. Um, so we're talking like the 1920s, 1930s, really before it cracks off. So people grow up, people do mature, people yeah. do change. Maybe that should be taken into account. I think one of the big reasons why I, like I said, have not so much grace for the whole idea of being a product of their time is when we talk about the founding fathers, I think mm-hmm. from what I've studied and researched, um, the founding fathers were often kind of going head to head, you know what I mean? Right. Like disagreeing on things and stuff, which actually makes me feel better about it. It, it helps me humanize them, right. right? These are actual people. But in terms of the idea of justice for all, the right you know, to liberties and all men being created equally, mm-hmm. and also, well, let's just start there. Benjamin Franklin, owned slaves. Yes. Thomas Jefferson, owned slaves. Yes. James Madison, slave owner. George Washington, slave owner. Yes. These are like the core people we associate as right. founding fathers. Them and um, John Adams and Alexander Hamilton, those dudes did not, did did not, not own slaves. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, right. And Alexander Hamilton has a, he's very popular right now because of the play. Has an interesting story and uh, his. I think a lot of his childhood is the reason why he didn't. I don't know how he felt about slavery, but he didn't own him. Uh, that's another story. I'm yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure Alexander Hamilton like came from poverty. He did. He yeah, he came from he poverty. Was, he was an orphan. Uh, suicide was in his family a lot. I think he might have been orphaned because of suicide. I'm not for sure. So I don't think he had the option to inherit any slaves. Slaves anyways, yeah. right. Exactly. Uh, and then even the idea of them founding this country on Christian principles. Benjamin Franklin, deist. Deist. Not right. a Christian. You know what I'm saying? Thomas Jefferson, deist, not a Christian. We should explain, what does deist mean in this case? Basically, a deist believes that God created all things, but doesn't believe that God connects with our lives today. You know right. what I mean? That that God has any communion with the people currently living. Right, right. And that's something that, when you bring that up with people, it sparks a lot of conversation. It's interesting. Like, we really... People get defensive. Right, right. We put our forefathers on a pedestal. And I'm not saying their ideas shouldn't necessarily be celebrated. I think you can maybe not be the best person in a lot of things you do, but I think uh, you can still hold certain ideas up. But yeah, we definitely put them on a Christian pedestal in this country. I mean, and that gets, I won't go too deep. Yeah, that's a whole nother day, boy. Yeah, that's a whole nother conflict. We're going to save that for uh, for another episode because I can talk. So also, uh, to be fair, I want to be fair. Um, and we talked about this before. Right. Benjamin Franklin, at the end of his life, did become an abolitionist. He did, ultimately. Yes. Also, John Adams, but he never owned slaves, so that makes sense. That makes sense. I think part of the reason why there's so much pushback from um, Americans or even um, Christians in America um, with this information about the Founding Fathers is is kind of what I was talking about for me, like with Dr. King. Like, there's mm-hmm. this person who represents something... Um, a lineage, a great lineage that we've right, come from, exactly. and it's hard for people to hear about your heroes, right? And right, you know what I mean. What we're talking about, exactly. It's tough. I think you know. I'm a fan of good ideas, and I think good ideas can come from people who might not meet uh, the best moral standard. Mm. I mean, I think there's limits, and sometimes you have to look at. Um, how do people change at the end of their lives? You know, we see some of these founding fathers became abolitionists. So I think you, know, you have to really look at the person's life as a whole and not necessarily celebrate the person, but their ideas. Yeah. So maybe is that the is that the key the key thing here is to 
to not celebrate the person so much and to just celebrate the idea and the concept. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, who do you want your kids to, to follow? You know what I'm saying? When you look up to somebody. And let's talk about somebody who's living, you know? So there are limits to that. Was this just a part of their life? A bad time in their life? Maybe it was just a foolish time in their life. Right. Like, is this, was it a foolish time in their life or is this kind of just who they were? Like, another example, you know, Chris Columbus, right? Right. 1492, right? So, right. Sailed the Ocean Blue. Is that, is that the... In 1492, Is that the song? Yeah. That's how it goes, right? the Ocean Blue. Well, what the song should say is, in 1492, Columbus did a lot of horrendous and terrible things Ooh. that no one should ever see or experience in their lives um so (laughs) to give an example i just want to read a couple direct quotes from columbus and apparently some other people on board in some of the letters he was writing back to the queen as Mm -hmm. he's um quote unquote discovering a land that's already inhabited by people um he said their spears are made of cane they would make fine servants with 50 men we could subjugate them all and make them do whatever we want Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's another one. He says to the queen, as soon as I arrived in the Indies and in the first island, which I found, I took some of the natives by force. I just love how he casually says he took them by force. Um, it's like I went to McDonald's today. I took some natives I by force. I got another one, but maybe I shouldn't even read this one. It's, pre- it's pretty graphic, but he's talking about a woman um, that he acquired and his forceful escapades with yeah. her. It's pretty awful. Uh, I'll read one last one. And the Christians, with their horses and swords and pikes, began to carry out massacres and strange cruelties against them, against the natives. They laid bets as to who, with one struggle of the sword, could split a man in two or could cut off his head or spill out his entrails with a single stroke of the pike. Yikes. Other infants they put to the sword along with their mothers and anyone else who happened to be nearby. They made some low, wide gallows on which the hanged victim's feet almost touched the ground, Stringing up their victims in lots of 13 in memory of our Redeemer and his 12 apostles. Ow. This guy got a national holiday. (laughs) That's horrible. He has a national holiday. I mean, let's just just look at the the obvious point. I mean, even uh, despite all of this, that he never, he landed in uh, Hispaniola in the Caribbean. Wasn't the person to discover uh, America, North America, because there's people already here. It's like me discovering your house. Like, yeah. I just walk up in your house and be like, yeah, this is mine. I discovered this. Yeah. Get out. This guy has a national holiday. See, now that's, okay, that's like extreme, like extreme, extreme. I consider evil. Well, I don't even know if Columbus had any good ideas. I was going to say we can use that analogy again, but I mean, he's good at navigating a boat. Obviously not. That's true. He didn't, end up, in, <laughs> he didn't end up in India. I, I take that back. <laughs> So he's not, he had one job, Chris. He had one job, Columbus. <laughs> he had one he had job. one job, and you couldn't even do that. You ended up <laughs> a long way from India. And that's you know he was lying about it. You know he told them he ended up in India, or else they wouldn't have been calling them Indians. Yeah, that's true. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah we're, we're in India, man. These are Indians, yeah, you know? Yeah. And, like, and the, it just stuck. Like, yeah, no, no, you're, you're Indian. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah no, don't India. trust me. Yeah, we're in India. Yeah, no, I'm, I made it. I went. It's kind of you lied to somebody about something you did. Yeah, I did that. On that note, uh, we have somebody like Abraham Lincoln, who uh, is an admired president in America, somebody I respect. Wait, uh, he's a what? I, a admired <laughs> president? <laughs> admired president? 
Admired. I can't say that word for some reason. Admi- oh, admired. Someone you, someone you admire. Right. Gotcha. A president you, that people admire. Um, you heard of the admire people? The, the so Illinois? Like, you're about, like some... Um, right. Admire. My insect. Right, like, right. <laughs> He's held to great esteem. Yes. In, in America. Um, of, of the mired tribe. Of the mired <laughs> tribe, right. <laughs> Anyways, known for freeing the slaves, uh, reconstruction of the country, guiding the country through a civil war. Uh, he was not a fan of slavery, but he really felt that the United States should be a country for the white man only. And he even suggested at one point that the slaves uh, should be shipped back to Africa if they were free. Um, he also didn't intend to uh, free the slaves. The, at first for the Civil War, the main discussion was, uh, OK, we won't have any more slave states added to the Union. Um, of course, the Confederate wanted slave states added to the Union. And Lincoln opposed. So that's another example. Uh, a man, a great man, um, but sometimes things about his life might be a little sugar-coated. Abolitionists were uh, growing in the North. It was used a lot as a rally cry to get people to enlist in the North. And it was also, yes, he knew that freeing the slaves would add, would kind of tip the scales in fighting. If they came across a plantation, they would uh, say under the United States, you are now free, you are no, no longer slaves. Then they would give the men a choice. You can either go about your business, go on your way, um, or you can join us. However, though, even though they were free from slavery, they still lived under slave conditions for many years because they couldn't really do anything else. But that's the story for another day. When Lincoln was younger, uh, his dad would rent him out, kind of lease him out to people. And Lincoln detested that. Um, and so he had a lot of empathy for slaves and even at point sympathy, I would say, that came from his childhood because uh, he knew how it felt, you know, to be considered somebody's property. And his dad would incur a debt and he would be sent to work off the debt. Mm. Another example is um, members of the Confederacy. Yeah. Um, most importantly, statues that we see uh, throughout the South, how a lot of cities are bringing those statues down, yeah. um, cause a lot of conflict. In fact, a lot of the cities are bringing the statues down in the middle of the night because they're afraid of the possible um, backlash. It seems to me, though, I don't know how you feel, that most of the country understands why the statues should come down. Yeah, no, it feels like, in general, people, right. most people get it, but there's obviously a large population that are really pushing back on this. So I've talked to a few people, not in my family, but people from the South, who um, they've, I've asked them to explain to me why, why they're so against the statues coming down. Um, and lots of people I've talked to are people who had people who fought in the Confederate Army, you know, mm. white families who fought in the Confederate Army. They feel that tearing the statue down would somehow be erasing history, which I think is preposterous. Right. I mean, you're not going to forget. I mean, the history of the Civil War will always be tied in the United States. And, in, and you know, I have nothing against a Confederate museum. Like, I have nothing against a museum yeah, yeah, yeah. of history. No. I mean, I think you need to show the good and the bad of history. Uh, I don't have issues. Somebody wants to put these statues on private property somewhere and have, like, a Confederate Disneyland, I can care less. <laughs> on public land, I think it's wrong. And, and interesting enough, when it comes to the idea of having these statues and memorials to the Civil War, somebody who was often held up um, when it comes to these statues is Robert E. Lee. Right. Around 1869, they were thinking of building a, a Gettysburg Memorial, which I think they end up building, but he was asked, he was still alive, um, how he felt about memorials of the Civil War being built. And this was his quote. 
It is better not to keep open the sores of war, but to follow the examples of these nations who endeavor to obliterate the marks of civil strife, to commit to oblivion the feelings endangered. Basically, he felt that having these memorials would kind of keep open right. He's the wound. Right, right. Yeah. That. And it's funny because a lot of people say, oh, he'd be... He'd be heartbroken if he saw the statues come down in, in Mississippi and, you know, in Charleston and Atlanta. But he didn't want statues in the first place, or at least not memorials of that. So I don't know if he would be even be against it. But I don't know. How do you feel? How do you feel? I'll let you speak. Um, yeah, I think you really kind of hit it on the head. Um, I think honestly, though, um, when people are saying that they are trying to preserve history, I think that's really just kind of uh, a veil People are just familiar with certain things, right? And mm-hmm. certain things have history to them personally because they've seen it a bunch growing up and they've been taught to have pride in these things uh, regardless to why. If you fought for the South, if you fought for the Confederacy, you were fighting against America. Exactly. You know? um, and so I think people just have these special attachments to things that they know and have been taught to be proud of. And I think that... Uh, holds more weight to an individual than like hearing facts and statistics as to why their heroes shouldn't be honored anymore, right? Ultimately, it's about things not changing, right? right? You know, I hear people who argue against taking it down. They say, well, you guys just want it down or people just want it down because of slavery. But that's not even a main argument to me. Look, we have j- statues of George Washington. Hold on. What if that was the argument? And what if that so was what? the argument? Yeah, so what? <laughs> but, but even then, even then, that? we have statues of George Washington and Thomas Jefferson, um, people who were slave owners. And I'm not, nobody's saying, you know, go throughout Boston or New York or Philadelphia and tear down statues of these people. The main thing for me isn't even the fact that uh, the war was about slavery. For me, is what you just said, that it was treasonous. Yeah. They didn't want to be a part of the United States. It's literally un-American. Literally un-American. They, they literally did not want to be a part of this union, part of this great nation. So why do you get honored then? And that's the thing. We would never go around celebrating somebody who was treason. Treason's still the only, when the few offenses, I'm not mistaken, that death penalty, you get the death penalty regardless, you know. If you don't want to be a part of this country, then I'm not going to honor you. Well, you know, I don't think this nation should honor you. Yeah. At all, period. And that's not say, and people don't understand the difference between honoring and remembering. You know, you can still remember what happened in the past and the Civil War and the horrors of the war that killed more Americans than any other war um, be forgotten. No, and it will never be forgotten. I don't care if you turn down every statue uh, in America. It's not going to be right. forgotten. The, the irony of that, too, is the irony of the people who want to hold on to the Confederacy um, because it's a form of American history, is that those are the same people that are quick to tell us to stop bringing up slavery. Right. Um, when we talk about something like 9-11, the slogan is never forget, right? Right. Because uh, it was such a major atrocity that happened like, on our soil. Um, slavery is the largest atrocity to happen on American soil by a landslide. Right. So people who deny the Civil War is about slavery is when they draws me crazy. Like They'll say, oh, well, it wasn't really about slavery. It was about states' rights. Right, states' rights is slang for slavery. slavery. Right, right. Yeah. Um, it just seems like such a. I mean, I understand people try to sugarcoat the past at times, especially if they were brought up to revere these people. Um, I just don't. I just don't understand this idea of getting taking these statues down and somehow erasing erasing history. You know. Like, right. If you want to preserve history, put it in a museum. You right. Know? Put it in a museum. Statues are meant to honor people. Exactly. You know, you can have it on. Dude, I heard something about, maybe you know a little more about this than me, but um, 
some of the southern states tried to kind of bring back slavery in like other countries or oh yeah so i'm reading this book uh like i guess they you know they left the south and they wanted to kind of continue their their way like preserve their way of life as they often said um and so like a bunch of them went to like brazil which didn't get rid of slavery until 1888 it's really interesting because like the descendants of the uh the confederates who live down there now like still like every year celebrate like the confederate flag and they dress up like it's all like antebellum south and <laughs> this is really bizarre it's an interesting book though but i was thinking like if it wasn't about slavery why did they go this, to such great lakes to try to preserve their way of life exactly. that so i don't know maybe there's a robert e lee statue in the jungles down there you know right right next to christ the redeemer With two guns next to jesus <laughs> um so i mean let's let's circle this back to the original person that provoked this whole idea for the episode when heroes become human um martin luther martin luther not king not king the reformer the german guy aka world champions in soccer stop trying to make fetch happen with soccer man it's not gonna say fetch yes that's exactly what i said don't criticize me when you just (laughs) quoted mean girls (laughs) how can't you dare criticize me when you just quoted mean girls soccer is never gonna pop like football soccer is the biggest sport in the world we're not talking about the world. We're talking about the country. Yeah, it is growing. So what? It is growing. <laughs> it's a great sport. Yeah, yeah, frisbee golf is growing too. Yeah, but frisbee golf don't come on ESPN for a month like the World <laughs> Cup, so I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Martin Luther, uh, the great German reformer, uh, knelt the thesis to the door. Is it Wittenberg? I guess the Wittenberg door in Germany. Uh, somebody that is well-respected in modern evangelical theology had a lot of good things to say in the theological you know realm i studied history and theology so somebody i learned about to say he was like kind of anti-semitic would be you know light martin luther wrote a book that was called the jews in their lives so like <laughs> that's bad it's um, terrible and it's basically just a sixty-five thousand word book on how he felt about jewish people so this is what he did with his platform <laughs> right right uh and there were several other individual like groups this wasn't a fan of infant baptism um he had a dispute with them and he was like well you know you should drown them he felt it was okay to drown them you know like oh they want to be they want to talk about baptism well let's drown them uh so okay <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty rough wait no okay he felt it was okay to drown them. He encouraged drowning them, or he jokingly said, "Was it like a joke? Like, oh, well, then drown them." Yeah. So that was going on. That persecution was going on, and he was okay with it. He, well, I don't know if he said it jokingly. I wasn't there. I can't say he said it jokingly. <laughs> Good point. But he said it. Yikes! But that's pretty awful. Yeah, but it's another uh, example. Somebody with great ideas, but maybe character-wise. And what they believed was it just a product of their time. Because we know there was a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of anti-Semitism going on in Europe. I mean, and we see this with entertainers and professional athletes all the time. I mean, Bill Cosby mm-hmm. was like the maybe most respected black entertainer universally in the black community, like, ever. Right. Not even saying he was, like, the greatest of all time or nothing like that. Definitely. In terms of... Probably the biggest across even like color line. Right, across the yeah. Right, the Cosby Show in the eighties, and then this stuff in the seventies and sixties. Right, I mean the Cosby Show is known entertainer. Is, right, is an iconic part of American history, right. American entertainment, Te- television. Right, a monumental time in in American television was the Cosby Show and what that represented. Exactly. Black folks 
with money and values. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Which, we, and a lawyer, which you don't see on TV. Right. The you media, know what I'm saying? Unfortunately, very much. Um, was the Cosby show still not the Cosby show? You know what I mean? Was that still not iconic for black American culture? You know what I'm saying? Like, as big of a comic as he was in terms of popularity and, and keeping it clean and family friendly, like, does that still not hold value anymore? So, like, am I not supposed to watch the Cosby show anymore? Mm-hmm. And, if, and if the answer is no, can I watch a different world? The spinoff? You know what I'm saying? Um, like, Lance Armstrong, athlete this time, who had a multi-million dollar business empire with this Live Strong brand. Uh, he was somebody that overcame cancer, won the Tour de France. I don't know how many times, like a lot. Was it like five or something? I don't know. A lot. I definitely do not know. Yeah, I can't really <laughs> say I wake up early to watch the Tour de France. But uh, you pro- that sounds like something you would do. I don't know, cycle. No, I don't, I don't. You're an overseas nerd, though. I am an overseas nerd, but for for purpose, for you know. No, but you don't know how to ride a bike. I get it. Go ahead. I do know how to ride a bike. By the way, I I learned. Stop lying. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. Um, no, but here's somebody who was caught lying first about doping. Said he was, and he fought it. He said that no, the allegations are false. They're lying. I would never do such a thing. And then interview with Oprah and like, yeah, I did this. And he was doping that whole time. Uh, he's someone that you don't see anymore or hear from anymore. I think athletes are held to a higher standard too. Which is weird. Which is kind of weird, but I don't know. I think it's super weird. I think it's weird, but in some way, maybe I do understand it. Um, maybe because I like, I'm, you know, a big sports head. I just think like cheating at all isn't good. Cheating in sports though, I don't know. I just... No, I feel you. Yeah, because it's such a revered thing. Right. I guess it depends on what the offense is. For Lance, he was cheating Over years. his sport, right? right? Like So that's like something that directly affected sport. his profession. And he was a champion in that right. sport. It wasn't like he just came in third every time. And, yeah. 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 So, I mean, speaking of athletes, man, I remember when, when my wife and I um, <clears throat> started dating. Actually, we weren't even dating yet. We were just friends, right? Um, it was the NBA Finals, Lakers Celtics. Diehard Laker fan, diehard Laker fan. Um, and we bet it. We put a little. We put a little wager on the series, right? Which, which I won. Don't yawn when I'm talking about the Lakers being a dynasty. <laughs> Don't yawn. That's old news. So, anyways, uh, I'm talking. I'm like, yeah, you know, Lakers, man, Kobe. You know what I mean? Like one of the, one of the greatest to ever do mm-hmm. it. You know what I'm saying? And she's like, I hate Kobe Bryant. He cheated on his wife. And at what and and at what point do you forgive them? I mean, he asked his wife for forgiveness. They reconciled. Right, they're still married, and they're still married. So, do you do the same? Yeah, you know what I mean. And that's the athletes thing. But 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 getting away from the athletes and just getting back to just people in general. When we when we put people on a pedestal because we like what they represent and what they've said, it quickly can get out of hand. You know what I mean? And these humans become heroes. They become living legends, you know what I mean? Right. Like talking about, because uh, I'm guilty of this too, you know what I'm saying? Talking about Dr. King and someone else talking about Benjamin Franklin, it sounds like we're talking about John Henry and, and Paul Bunyan or something. You know, right, they become right. these like larger legends. than life. And so I think ultimately w- what we kind of need to, to, to figure out is um, once you discover the shortcomings of your leaders, should you still follow them? Do you throw in the towel? Well, them, I or? think it's, uh, do they, are they really repentive of what they did, you know? Like, or is this just their lifestyle kind of thing? Right. But if you're doing something for like decades and you're out there stunting like you're a role model, then it's like, no, you were putting on the show this whole time. Right. There's a difference between 
the the flawed man that everyone has and, right. and falling and making mistake versus a habitual poison in your life. Right, right. And th- the reality is, is we all blow it and do dumb stuff sometimes. The, the now the frustrating part for me is using that logic, even a little bit of what you were saying with being a product of their time that forces me to give you know, a little more grace to, to Jefferson and whatnot <laughs> right. than I would like to. But, you know, maybe that's uh, something I need to work on. So You don't like old men in powdered wigs? Old <laughs> British men in powdered wigs? Like? I don't mind British people or powdered wigs. I just don't like slavery. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it is. I don't like... That that makes sense. I, can, I, I, don't, I don't... Especially when you, when you do any any action that is on the surface in the name of liberty or in the name of God. Right. Exactly. So, yeah, that's going to be our show for today. What a great topic. Um, I'm sure some of you guys listening have your own opinions on this and your own uh, heroes that you've kind of seen fall. So leave a comment. Let us know. What do you think? You know what I mean? When you find out the flaws in your heroes, does what they stand for become any less valid? And and should we still follow them? We'd like to hear from you. That's the show for today. I'm Namis. Scientific. Till next time. Peace be the journey. Peace be the journey. (laughs) 